Hello, this is Ed, and welcome to another session of my podcast. Today's podcast, I will be talking about dementia and dementia care. So, dementia is a term that is used quite a lot because we do hear about it or we do read about it in newspapers, in magazines, in books, and sometimes we hear about it on TV. It's been mentioned several times and sometimes there has been associations with dementia and Alzheimer's disease, though this is partly true, but the reality is is that dementia is an umbrella term and Alzheimer's disease is just really a type of dementia. So that means that there are other types of dementia and Alzheimer's disease being one of them is also the most common. So other types of dementia you have your vascular dementia which is basically dementia that is a result of reduced blood flow into the brain and an example of that would be stroke. There are also dementia called Lewy body dementia which has something to do with uh, with protein deposits in the brain and there are other rarer types of dementia like you have your uh, frontotemporal dementia. So dementia can have really several types and the most common is Alzheimer's disease. So what is dementia really by definition? Dementia is memory loss. However, uh, it's not just really memory loss. How a clinician diagnoses dementia is that there is memory loss, which is considered to be chronic and acquired. And at least there's also a decline in the other in other cognitive functions, such as in the areas of communication. So there could be problems communicating. Uh, so there's memory loss plus problems communicating, or it could also be that there's problems in motor execution, like there could be problems like with walking, with maintaining balance, and on top again of memory loss again, uh, there is also a decline in the recognition of objects. So there could be instances wherein, for example, a a patient with dementia would see an orange as an apple. So there's some problem in the processing of information in the brain. And another would be also there could be decline in executive function. This would include like your decision making, your planning, your mental coordination. So there are a lot of things to consider really when we talk about dementia. And sometimes it can be very challenging for a clinician to diagnose dementia because sometimes dementia has the symptoms which mimics the symptoms of other illnesses and an example of that is like you have this condition called delirium which can be caused by several causes and the symptoms of delirium is also confusion and sometimes uh, being disoriented to time and place and sometimes disoriented as to the person like in terms of the patient they don't really know who they are and that can be delirium and this could be due to so many things it could be medications it could be infections but with regards to delirium it's able to resolve itself once the underlying problem is corrected it's able to resolve itself with regards to dementia 
dementia is chronic it's progressive so definitely there's no cure for dementia and it comes in several stages so during the early stage sometimes it can be very very difficult to diagnose because during the early stage um, the symptoms are mild and sometimes uh, the clinician may not really know if is it really dementia or could it be any other problem like maybe depression because sometimes um, the symptoms of depression are also present within dementia especially in the early stages though how a clinician really diagnoses is that sometimes uh, they are able to diagnose it by themselves through tests like cognitive tests or physical examination as well as observation and also by communicating to the patient um, in some cases i've also heard that some clinicians do have a hard time diagnosing dementia wherein they do need a colleague in order to confirm the diagnosis for me as a nurse i don't do diagnoses but it's very very important for us to also understand the pathophysiology of dementia or the different types of dementia but at the same time it's very important for us to also understand how a person goes through when they have dementia because as a nurse we are at the bedside most of the time for the patient and we are the ones who are really spending a lot of time for the patient we are the ones who communicate quite a lot and we are also going to be considered as patient advocates because one thing about patients with dementia is that these patients can be vulnerable to so many things and it's very very important for nurses to really protect them protect them for their rights and also uh, be change agents wherein we fight for the rights of the patient and we basically i think the most important word that i would like to say is that we are just really person-centered with regards to the care that we implement so now having understood what dementia is that it is not just memory loss but it could also be memory loss plus other problems in cognitive function um, i want to talk about alzheimer's disease because alzheimer's disease is the most common type of dementia in fact i think it's around 50 percent or more in the total population with dementia and in terms of the statistics um, dementia can occur in any stage in life because there are so many types of dementia however there is an increasing incidence among the elderly like around 18 and above and it is expected that really all people are affected with dementia and when i say affected it's not that you may necessarily have the disease but it could be like a loved one having dementia or a relative or a friend or it's possible that we know somebody who has dementia in the in the long run the reason for this why i said affected because it does have an impact not just on the patient but on the family as well because it's very very difficult sometimes to really take care of a patient with dementia in order to take care of a patient with dementia it's really best that we understand the disease process we understand the symptoms but also very very importantly is that we understand what they are going through and that can be really hard um, 
I've been teaching about dementia and sometimes the introduction that I give is really I want the students to think of how they felt during their first day of school. Uh, so during your first day of school, if you can remember, maybe probably when you were still a teenager or in high school or in grade school or primary school, whichever country you are from, um, think about the feeling or that feeling uh, when you first entered school. Um, the environment is definitely new. The faces are new. Or even think of yourself as a new student in school. So everyone are new faces. Um, the environment is new and you don't know the way of doing things or where to go, where the location is or where the classroom is. So there's so much anxiety really going on and there's just really high stress level. Now imagine that picture. Imagine that feeling. Uh, isn't it really uncomfortable? And for a person with dementia, this is like an everyday scenario. As much as they are probably in the same location, but they tend to forget about this. Like for example, those patients who are in a nursing home. So they probably are in the same room every day, but for their memory, um, the next day that they wake up, they don't really remember the things that they saw. And it, that's really, really possible. So there goes the anxiety again. There goes the feeling of being lost again, that uncomfortable feeling. That feeling or that, that imagination that you had on how you felt during your first day of school, that's like an everyday thing for a patient with dementia. So that in itself, that exercise is not even enough to appreciate or to understand what the patient is going through. So it's really important to really educate ourselves about uh, dementia care and it has to be it has to be continuous and repetitive so that we get reminded about this i think it's also important to really talk to them so that we do know what they're feeling so that's the introduction that i usually give to my students when i conduct a class about dementia and i think it's a very powerful um, exercise and sometimes i do show some videos for them to appreciate uh, how it is uh, for a patient with dementia and that way they can have a good picture and at the same time they can use that picture within their head to also how they can um, implement their care to their patient and how they approach the patients with dementia so i've talked about several types and dementia uh, with alzheimer's disease being one of them and I want to talk about how Alzheimer's disease occurs. So the pathophysiology of Alzheimer's disease is that this is linked to several theories. So what happens in Alzheimer's disease is that it's a progressive chronic memory loss due to loss of cortical function. And that's because there's also a loss of brain cells or death of brain cells or a gradual death of brain cells and there are theories that try to explain this number one it could be due to neurofibrillary tangles so and number two it could be due to uh, the presence of senile plaques or protein deposits in the brain number three it could be due to a decrease in acetylcholine so how a nerve cells um, 
travel or how our nerves not really travel but i think how our nerve cells send information is sometimes they use neurotransmitters neurotransmitters are chemicals that are present in our body and they're also present within the nerve cell so when a nerve cell releases a neurotransmitter and passes it to the next nerve cell that nerve cell is able to receive the information so how this uh, neural pathway works is sometimes also because of the presence of neurotransmitters. So one of the neurotransmitters within, that is found within in nerve cells and really very, very important in, in the neural messages is the acetylcholine. So it is believed that there is a decrease in acetylcholine uh, in patients with Alzheimer's disease. And also there is also another theory which is about uh, the that Alzheimer's disease can be related to an increase in glutamine. Glutamine has a certain function. One is function is that it allows calcium to enter into the nerve cell, which is really useful for the uh, conduction of nerve impulses because calcium itself is an ion and sometimes it generates a charge. So what happens is if there is an increase in glutamine, it opens the calcium channels, but because if, since there is an increase more than normal, this can be toxic because calcium just enters the cell and you know how homeostasis occurs or the state of balance within the body. It should only have a certain amount of things. And in this case, it should only have a certain amount of calcium. And if there's too much calcium going on or going inside, that can be toxic for the nerve cell. And in such a case, the nerve cell die. So I also explained about, uh, I think the second theory that I said was about um, senile plaques. So senile plaques is due to protein formation that clump up and this disrupts the passing of the nerve signals, thus really leading to uh, difficulties in, in, in mental processing or in which part of the brain is affected. Um, there could be problems uh, depends on which really which part of the brain. Like for example, let's say the frontal lobe is affected. We all know that the frontal lobe is responsible for, for, of course, it's responsible for memory. But at the same time, um, it's also the frontal lobe. It's also within the frontal lobe that uh, it, that's. It, this is also related to. I think this is related to personality and emotion. So if that is affected, there can be problems with personality as well. If the occipital lobe is affected, which is the back part of the brain, so if that is affected, then there could be problems with vision. So in order to understand the symptoms of dementia and why they occurs, uh, or let's say Alzheimer's disease in this case, because I'm talking about the pathophysiology of Alzheimer's disease, it's very, very important to also know the different parts of the brain and the functions of the brain. So dementia, in terms of its symptoms, comes in different stages. You have your early stage dementia, which in which it's really just mild in terms of the symptoms like loss of short term memory or loss of interest in hobbies and activities or inability to manage everyday tasks and sometimes they may also exhibit like repetitive questioning and loss of thread of conversation or poor judgment. So these are just examples of symptoms of early dementia and sometimes they're very very difficult to determine because these symptoms can sometimes really occur among people 
temporarily like for example if they have depression or yeah depression or as part of aging uh, which is normal sometimes we do have some short memory loss or maybe some uh, difficulties in terms of arriving at a good judgment sometimes we do occasionally have that so sometimes it's very challenging really to diagnose that it's early stage dementia however dementia is progressive and chronic as I've mentioned earlier so it then leads to another stage which is called moderate stage dementia and in the, within the moderate stage dementia there is already that increased need for support such as increased need for support to eat to wash to dress so it's really getting worse and worse and there's also confusion uh, regarding time and place so there could be disorientation to time and place and at the same time one thing about the moderate stage of dementia this is also the period wherein they manif they exhibit risky behavior such as like leaving the house in night clothes or forgetting to turn the taps off and sometimes they may even leave the gas unlit which can be really really very dangerous so at this stage it's also really important to also really watch them if you are let's say a caretaker of a person with dementia or let's say you have a family member with dementia so it's very very important that we do take a close eye on on our uh, beloved friend if they have dementia or something that we somebody that we know if they have dementia it's very important that we do take a close eye especially if it's already in the moderate stage of dementia and this is really just for safety reasons because there could be times that they might not really know who they are in the middle of the night they wake up and sometimes they may leave the lights on they may leave the gas unlit and sometimes they may even go get out of the house so very important and i think it's also during the moderate stage dementia wherein they could experience some um, hallucinations and they're either visual or auditory and they could also exhibit behavioral symptoms so after the moderate stage you have the advanced stage dementia which is really like the late stage so in this case uh, the manifestations would be even more severe wherein there is a need for full assistance in washing and dressing eating and toileting and as well as in terms of the confusion this is now like the stage wherein there is really increased confusion and restlessness and sometimes they may even search for dead relatives and i've also mentioned earlier that in terms of the definition of dementia um, dementia is memory loss that is chronic and acquired but at least there's also like on top of that there's also an additional problem in cognitive in cortical function such as like movement so it is also during this advanced stage dementia wherein we will be seeing or noticing um, increase in physical frailty or they may have problems with walking or they may start to shuttle or they may even have an unsteady gait or even have problems in maintaining balance sometimes those patients who are in advanced stage dementia they may be confined to a bed or a wheelchair because there's really that problem with mobility because your brain 
that organ, which is your brain, um, is responsible for so many functions. It's not just about learning, not just about remembering things, but part of the brain is also about movement, having purposeful movement. And uh, that's located within the back portion of the brain, portion of your brain, which is the cerebellum. And other things, other problems that can be encountered in the advanced stage dementia would be weight loss, you have your uh, gradual loss of speech, uh, increased aggressive behavior. Sometimes they may even have difficulty in eating and swallowing, and this could be because there is dysphagia that occurs. Now, how do we, or how does a clinician um, test or assess dementia? So usually they conduct tests. I haven't really done it myself, and it's usually the doctors that do it, doctors who specialized in dementia care or those in like care of the elderly or geriatric medicine. They usually do this test, and one of the tests is like, these are like the uh, Montreal Cognitive Assessment, wherein they try to test the patient's short-term memory, the orientation, their executive function, the language abilities, and as well as um, abstraction and attention. Sometimes they may even let the patient draw a clock when they conduct the Montreal Cognitive Assessment. I haven't really seen it myself, but that's one test that they usually conduct. And I think there are other tests as well, uh, tests that, uh, that also assess the spoken language ability of the patient, um, tests that also um, that also try to look at the recall of test instructions and as well as the orientation of the patient in terms of orientation to person, time, and place. And in terms of uh, dementia, um, there are specific techniques or specific strategies that we should know so that we can be very, very effective when it comes to taking care of a patient with dementia. And one of these is making sure that the environment is dementia friendly. Uh, there's a website about that. And I think I don't really have the exact website in my head right now, but there is a website that would really help uh, clinicians or healthcare providers um, or experts, I would say, uh, arrange the patient's environment to be dementia friendly. And this could be through arrangement, this could be in a more homey feel, or this could be arranged in a way that it's also safe for the patient. That, um, yeah, it's just basically on safety and making sure that it's a, an environment of comfort, an environment that doesn't really um, aggravate them as well. Because sometimes, you know, the hospital setting, the usual hospital setting, sometimes this can be a very, very stressful environment for our patients. Uh, this can be noisy, and there's so many stimulus that is present within the hospital, and sometimes this can be very, very overwhelming for a patient with dementia. So sometimes there is this concept which is about making the environment a dementia-friendly environment. And another thing is uh, how we take care of a patient with dementia is basically on implementing uh, person-centered care. And person-centered care is implemented in so many ways. What person-centered care is, is that it is a concept of thought and as well as a concept of doing things that ta to tailor our care according to the needs of the patient. So what that means is that a patient with dementia A 
and a patient with dementia B, our approaches may be different for both. And the very reason for that is that each is unique and each has a, each has a different situation, different history. And when it comes to approaching care, we need to consider this differences in uniqueness and we need to approach our care in a manner that it tailors it according to our needs. And on top of that is that, is that with regards to person-centered care, um, we make sure that the patients are well informed so that they can form informed decisions. So we don't really decide for them, but we let them decide on things. We make it patient-centered. We make it to a point that they are involved in formulating the goals that they need. And at the same time, it's like we work as partners with them rather than working towards them. So we work as partners with them and we assist the patients with regards to that. And I think that's how it should be with uh, dementia care. Um, of course, there are medications that can be given to, let's say, to slow down the progress of dementia. However, there's no cure for dementia, but there are medications, but as nurses, well, what we usually do, or as healthcare providers, what we usually do is that we will be involved with a lot uh, with with communication and, of course, assisting the patient's needs, whether it's going to be hygiene needs or the nutrition. We assist the patient with regards to that. But part of of our role is really on therapeutic communication and to know the Techniques of therapeutic communication is very, very important. And that's with the choice of words, the tone, and knowing the concept of communication, really, because that's also important. When you communicate to a person, the message is being perceived not just by the words that you say, but it's also by the tone of your voice, the loudness, the softness of your voice, the body language, which is basically considered as uh, like the... The majority of where the message is according to theory and we also need to consider or to under, we also need to understand that when it comes to communication communication can either be verbal or nonverbal and understanding communication is important therefore in taking care of a patient with dementia uh, we need to make sure that we don't to talk too fast we don't ask too many questions. And when we communicate, we communicate according to their level as well. And I think it's important that we treat them as a person. So there's so many things we can actually do, uh, but I think I wanna just summarize it, that we treat them as the person, we address them by their name or by whatever they would like themselves to be addressed. That's also important. And we offer them choices and make sure that the choices that are also informed decisions. And we also need to also uh, be patient with them because sometimes they may be asking the same question over and over again, but because uh, that's really why, that's why it's important for us to really understand dementia so that we know what's really going on. And that if they do ask questions several times, it's fine. It's fine because we already understand the disease process. We already understand the disease manifestations and that sometimes these can be expected. So I think I've said much about dementia care. And I know there's really a lot of uh, information 
to really go through with dementia care. Uh, one thing that I didn't really mention here is that what are the uh, initiatives that have been implemented uh, or health initiatives that have been implemented uh, to heighten dementia care and dementia awareness. And there are so many things that the government has done, that the public has done, even private organizations have done in order to increase dementia awareness and as well as improve dementia care. So there you have it. That's my talk about dementia and dementia care. Um, I hope you had a good understanding about dementia. Though it was just really a scratch on the surface, I didn't really go too much because of course I only have very limited time to this podcast. But uh, it's very, very important that when we take care of a patient with dementia or when we deal with a person with dementia, we understand the disease process, we understand the symptoms, but at the same time, we apply person-centered care at all times and I think that's very very important to be successful in dementia care. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Nurse Talks, a podcast about nursing, academics, study skills, health and social care. Don't forget to follow subscribe to Nurse Talks on Spotify, YouTube or Facebook. Thank you for listening.